If you have your Bible, please turn to the Gospel according to Luke. I know this is the kind of day where you want to keep your hands in your pockets, but hopefully you have gloves. I know there's at least a few of you who have gloves. Luke 22, and the text for this morning is verses 63 to 71. Luke 22, 63 to 71. And what's been going on here, as you well know, as we're winding down the Gospel of Luke, is that Jesus had the last night with his disciples, then went to pray, was left to pray alone, then was betrayed by Judas, was arrested, and then last week was denied by Peter. Today we'll see him mocked and beaten followed by the first in a series of trials in which the outcome had really already been decided. Now Luke's gospel doesn't say everything there is to say about Jesus' trials and the abuses that he endured, but Luke says enough for us to see how Jesus was mocked, abused, and unjustly condemned. All for us. The big idea that we'll see as we look through the text together this morning is this. Rather than rejecting Jesus, we must believe what he says about himself. Rather than rejecting Jesus, we must believe what he says about himself. He's betrayed, he's denied, he's mocked, he's beaten, he's blasphemed. But he is the Messiah. He is the Christ the Son of Man, the Son of God. And rather than denying Him, betraying Him, mocking Him, rather than rejecting Jesus, we must believe what He says about Himself because it's true. So here are those words, Luke twenty-two sixty-three to 71. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking Him as they beat Him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes. And they led him away to their council and they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it reveals to us your son. And we ask that you would help us as we see Jesus today to respond the way that you would want us to respond. That we would believe that he is who he says he is. And that we would trust him completely and that he we would live like he is our savior and even now lord of all and more specifically lord of us would you help us would you let that be our 
testimony as a church. And we ask that you'd use this time together for that great and glorious purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we think first about the original meaning, what is going on here? Well, it's pretty plain in one sense, but there are a few things to look at in another. After the account of Peter's denial, Luke turns that focus back to what is happening to Jesus. So the last words right before our text for today, as you could see as you looked at your Bible, were Peter saying, I don't even know this guy. And then the rooster crows, Jesus looks at him and he goes out and weeps bitterly. And so then it picks up with what's happening to Jesus, that he's being mocked, he's being beaten while he is at the high priest's house. And then in the morning, he is brought before the council, what's also known as the Sanhedrin. This was a group made up, as we can see in verse 66, of the chief priests and the scribes. And so this first trial, this first official trial, is a religious trial of sorts before the Jewish religious leaders. We know that from who's there, and we see it from the kinds of questions that they ask, right? If someone was on trial for something in a court in our land today, they wouldn't be asking questions about, like, are you the Messiah? If you're the Christ, then then tell us. Are you the Son of God then? And those weren't questions that Rome was interested in either. So this is a religious trial with the Jewish religious leaders. And next week, when we look at verses 1 through 12, of chapter 23, that will be a political trial before the government rulers, before Herod, before Pilate. And so just a quick note on how things worked back then, because we don't have like a religious uh, hierarchy and leadership and then a government leadership and that they work together. We don't have it like that, right? Um, So how things worked back then Why they had to wait till the morning is that there could be no official council sessions at night. The Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, could not gather together and conduct any official business and certainly a trial at night. It had to be done during the day. So even though Jesus had already been through a lot, and they've already decided he's guilty and needs to be condemned, they're already beating him, punching him, saying, who hit you? being questioned and accused at length, as we learn from other Gospels, experiencing mocking and beating. Now, in the morning that it's light, he can have his official religious trial. I say official religious trial because the Jews were under Roman authority. The council had religious authority and a certain amount of political influence, but this council did not have the authority to condemn someone to death. For that, they needed Rome. They needed the political leaders, and specifically the Roman governor, Pilate. And they couldn't just say to Pilate, we don't like the way this guy interprets the Bible. They need to give Rome a reason to want to be rid of Jesus too. If he's calling himself a king, that might just do the trick. And that's what we'll see next week, is that's what they're accusing him of, of saying he's a king, and there is no king but Caesar. For now, though, the religious leaders are going to get what they want. But really, when we think about Jesus' answers and that Jesus' answers to their questions are true, they are really the ones who are on trial. See, they look like they're in total control. 
They've got it all. They're going to condemn him to death. But if what he says is true, they are the ones who are really on trial. And later, the disciples will charge them with his death and then offer them repentance and life through faith in Jesus. But for now, they'll get what they want and they will stop at nothing to get it. And so this trial is a mockery. It's a sham. There's nothing just about it. They just want the result that they want. Do you ever feel like that when you're having a conversation with someone? They're asking you a series of questions. Maybe people uh, in debates or town halls uh, that we watch feel that way. They're just asking me a line of questions. They're just trying to nail me to the wall. They don't want to know. They don't want me to answer a question. Like, wait, I, I feel like the conclusion has already been made, right? You already know what you think about me in this situation, but can I give an answer that makes a difference? Do my answers matter? And in a sense, Jesus' answers don't matter a bit to them. But the way he answers matters a lot for everyone, both now and forever. Those answers may not have mattered to them. Important truths about who he is and what he came to do are revealed here. They say to him, if you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, tell us. And Jesus says, if I tell you, you won't believe. They're not asking because they want to know. They've already decided he can't possibly be the Messiah. So if he says that he is, then he's guilty of blasphemy and deserves to die. And they do get what they want. Jesus says just enough, even though he doesn't say it outright. But all along, Jesus is in complete control, even as he is wrongly arrested and tried. As he says in the Gospel of John, no one takes his life. He lays it down for us. I mean, think about it. If, he, if he's that one, the son of man in the book of Daniel, who's going to come and destroy all other kingdoms and his kingdom's going to live forever, do you think he couldn't have taken care of a group of people who were trying to kill him? He could have stopped that with a word. He could have ended it in a moment and been seen to be great and glorious. But we all would have stayed lost And so would all of them. Yes, he indeed is the Messiah, but they needed some understanding about what the Messiah would do. Because as he has said before, and we'll say again, the scripture must be fulfilled concerning him. He willingly goes to the cross for us in obedience to the Father. And you say, it doesn't seem like he's in control, right? Part of this, he has a blindfold on and he's being punched and they're saying, Who hit you? But the thing is, he knew every one of their names. Can you imagine that moment? The Lord of the universe is allowing himself to be beaten while blindfolded. And he knows the name. He created every one of those men who struck him. The Lord of all allows himself to be struck for us. He could have stopped it. He could have under his breath said, John, James, 
as they hit him, but he didn't. He took it to fulfill the scripture and to save his people. That image of someone being punched while they're blindfolded is not one of control. But he knew that he must be rejected. And Jesus is rejected just as he had already predicted to his disciples several times. And just as the scripture predicted. We think of Isaiah 53, especially in this regard. He was despised and rejected by men. As we sang earlier, a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He took our sorrows, our sins on himself. Or as Peter would later say, he bore our own sins in his body on the tree. He knew he must be rejected and he willingly went to the cross for us. We're used to that kind of language. We sing about it every Sunday. We talk about it all the time. But then when we stop and we slow down and we read the Gospels again, we're reminded he he went through that for us. He did that for me. Because the thing is, if, if we were there, we wouldn't have stopped it. Maybe we'd like to think we wouldn't have been one of the ones punching him in the face, but by our actions we have. So you're, you're the Lord of all, but I want to do my own thing. I want to live my own way. Every one of us, as we saw in Isaiah 53, have gone astray. We've all gone our own way, but it's the Lord who laid on him the iniquities of us all. And that is why we have hope. Because even though we have rebelled against his rule, even though we deserve his righteous wrath, Jesus bore the wrath of God for us. And his payment was enough. So as we consider timeless truth from this passage, what's going on here? Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He is the Christ. Now I know all you kids know this already, but Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? You guys knew that already, right? It's not just Jesus Christ. We hear that and we think, okay, yeah, that was, that was his name. Like, I have a first name and a last name. But you kids already know that. And I'm sure most of the adults knew that too. It's not his last name. It's a title. It's telling us something about who he is. It'd be like saying someone's name and then saying the mayor or the governor or the president. But it's even better than any of those. It's the Messiah. What does that mean? It means he is the anointed one. He is the one who is sent by God to rescue his people and to be their king forever. That is what the people of Israel were hoping in. That's what the Jews we're hoping for a Messiah who would come and who would rescue his people and who would set up a kingdom that would never end because they did read their Bibles pretty well and they knew a lot of what to expect, but they didn't understand how he would do it. They didn't understand that it would come through suffering. They didn't understand that he would be the sacrificial lamb that would pay for their sins, but that is exactly what he did. Yes, he's the Messiah, the one sent by God to rescue his people and to rule over them forever. But he would establish his reign by giving his life. 
He would suffer for them, for us, by taking their own sins on him. He is the Messiah, sent by God, anointed by God to rescue his people and to be their king forever. But he also is revealed here as the Son of Man, right? They said, if you are the Christ, tell us. They thought he wasn't, but he was. And he says, if, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me anyway. And if I ask, you wouldn't answer. But then he does tell them something. He says, from now on, the Son of Man will be at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus calls himself here the Son of Man. This Messiah who is going to come and rescue his people and rule over them. He did all that as one of them. As one of us. Jesus identified with us. He is the Son of Man. That was his favorite title for himself. When Jesus spoke of himself most often, he called himself the Son of Man. And it highlights that he is fully human. That he is one of us. That he felt the pain of those punches when he was blindfolded. He really struggled, as we saw a few weeks ago. He really struggled in prayer in the garden. He was like us in every way except for sin. He knows our weakness. As Paul reminded us in the call to worship this morning. He knows our weakness. He identifies with us. And it's why he can die for us. Because he's one of us. But the Son of Man also refers to the passage that Danny led us in near the beginning. From Daniel 7. The Son of Man is not just one of us. He is the one from God whose kingdom will last forever. Because, in fact, this Son of Man is also the Son of God. So he told them the Son of Man is going to be at the right hand of the power of God. And they answered him. What was their question back to him? They said, are you the Son of God then? It's like, did he say Son of God in that? If we just look at the words, we go, no. He called himself Son of Man. Why did they switch to Son of God? It's because they understood. They made the the same connection that we're making with Daniel 7.13. You're like, he is claiming to be that guy. And that guy can only be God. (laughs) He must be God. If he's going to be God's forever king, he must be God. And so while he calls himself the Son of Man by how he describes himself, the Son of Man who's at the right hand of the power of God, they're saying, are you calling yourself the Son of God? And he is the Son of God. He is the King who will rule forever. Jesus is God himself in the flesh. He is the image of the invisible God. What before no one had seen, people in the first century saw. They saw God himself. He's the radiance of the glory of God. He created the world. It belongs to him. And he came to redeem his people and ultimately to rule over them as their rightful king. This is who he is. He's the Messiah, the one sent from God to rescue his people and rule over them forever. 
He is the Son of Man who identifies with his people and dies in their place, but then is given a kingdom that will last forever because he is the Son of God. So as we think about responding to Jesus, how do we be obedient to that big idea? Rather than rejecting Jesus, we must believe what he says about himself. Well, some of you are still on the fence about following Jesus. For those of you who are in that spot, please allow me to be as direct with you as I can because I love you. You think you're on the fence about following Jesus, but there is no fence. You are right now either rejecting Jesus or responding to him in repentance and faith. There's nothing in the middle Everyone who thinks they're sitting on the fence, that they're in the middle, that they're taking their time evaluating whether, whether Jesus is worthy of their trust. When you're doing that, you are putting yourself in the position of the religious leaders who think they have a right to judge Jesus. Who think they have a right to say, well, well you say this, but we think that. You, you say that you're this, but nah, that, that, that can't really be the case. If you think you're on the fence... There is no fence. Don't wait. You can trust him today because as God's Messiah King, he will indeed judge those who reject him. They will stand before him one day and be justly condemned, but it doesn't have to be that way because Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of Man, the Son of God is our Savior. He came to save us from our sins through his perfect life, through his death that really paid the price for all our sins and through his powerful resurrection that showed that his death, that the punishment that he took, that it was enough, that the Father accepted his sacrifice and now he lives forever. And everyone who trusts in him, turning from their sins, will live with him both now and and forever too. This Messiah, the Son of Man and Son of God, came to save us from our sins. Do you believe, do we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of Man and the Son of God? Do you believe that even now he rules and reigns at the right hand of the Father? That after his resurrection, he ascended, and even now, he is there. He is interceding for us. He is pleading his blood for us. It matters where Jesus is now and what Jesus is doing, because we need it. We need him to plead his blood for us. We continue to stumble and fall, and we continue to need his work on our behalf, and he is there. He sat down at the right hand of the Father after making purification for sins. But even now, he pleads his blood for us. He prays for us. Do you believe that that is who Jesus is and what he's doing? Do you believe that he's coming back and that his kingdom will indeed endure forever in righteousness, justice, and peace? Now we might answer, of course I do, right? Those, I, I knew the right answer. The right answer to all those is yes, right? Right. Does believing those things make any difference in our lives? 
How would your life be different if you really believed those things? That Jesus is God himself. That he gave his own life for your sins. That now you are freely and fully forgiven and you belong to him. And that you have life now and forever. That he is the one who's in charge of that and he's got it. And that he's the one who's in charge of everything and he's coming back. How should it change what we do? How should it change how we spend our time? How should it change the way we speak to people? How should it change the way we spend our money? How should it change the way we think about that person in our life that's difficult or hard to love? How should it change in those situations where we're afraid? What difference should it make in our lives? It should make all the difference. How does it change when we face our own trials, our own difficulties, our own situations that we're sure are unjust? When we face those situations, let us look to the one who took the righteous wrath that we deserve. Let us, as Peter would later write, entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. Because he does. We can safely trust this one who gave his life for us. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. Are we trusting him? Are we living like he is the king who laid down his life for us? One day he will come back and our work here will be done. And everything done in his name will have been worth it. By grace, church, let us believe what Jesus says about himself. And let us live like he is indeed our Messiah, who rescued us from our sins and who rules over us even now. The Son of Man who identified with us in every way. And the Son of God who is so far above us that we could never attain to him, but he came down to us and gave his life for us so that we could know him and live for him both now and forever. Let's pray. God, thank you. Oh, thank you that at just the right time you sent Jesus to live and die and rise for us. We thank you that at just the right time he ascended and that even now he lives for us and one day will come for us. Would you cause gratitude to well up in our hearts? Would you cause love to well up in our hearts? And would you help that love for him to overflow in love for others for his glory? Indeed, would our story be all glory be to Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.